verse 1. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when the mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to come into your presence. We have praised your name in in prayer and in song. Uh, We have confessed our sin and been reminded that we have been forgiven. We've given unto you, Lord, as you have taught us. And now, God, you, you tell us to bring all our requests before you because you care for us. So we do so now. Father, we pray for those who are hurting in our congregation Father, we pray and thank you for the, the healing hand of, of, that you've given Betty Folsom uh, and uh, Fred Justice and Barbara McGirt. We pray that your hand would still be upon them, Father. God, we pray for all those this uh, Christmas season who are just struggling with um, sadness um, and depression. God, we pray that you would remind them of the hope that we have in Jesus. Father, we, we pray specifically this morning for Helen Loveless. We thank you so much for, for her as, we, as it is her birthday today. We thank you for her life. God, and what she means to this congregation. We thank you so much for her joy that just radiates from her every time you're around her. God, we pray that she would feel loved uh, by your church this morning and that she would feel a special, um, feel your special presence and knowing that she's loved ultimately by you. Father, we do thank you so much for the gospel and the great privilege, Lord, that it is to take the gospel to all nations. Father, we do pray for the gospel in Bangladesh. As, as, as Stacy shared with us today how the, the missionaries that we are sending out are going into remote villages where people who do not know the gospel to hear and believe, to, to equip those who are ready to believe, to go deeper in the faith. God, we pray for the church there. We pray for, uh, that you would use uh, the IMB and you would use the local churches there to, to, to pronounce and herald the gospel uh, to those who are lost. God, that you would strengthen the disciples there, that they would continue to make disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for our local community, God. We pray that you would give us strength, Lord, uh, to continue to make disciples. Uh, I pray for uh, Pastor Sam Stevens at New Kirk Baptist Church this morning, God. I pray that you would be with him as he preaches your word, and you'd be with that congregation, that they would hear with obedient ears, God, that you would form that church more and more into the likeness of Christ. 
Father, we pray now for our own hearts as we hear the Word of God. Lord, with much distraction going on in our world with the commercialism of this season, God, we pray that you would give us a longing, God. God, you would give us a longing for the coming of Christ. God, that you would put a longing in our own hearts that we would desire Christ and the things of God more than the things of this world. God, that we would not allow the glitter of the day, Lord, to, to carry, carry us away from focusing on the Son of Man who came to take away the sins of the world. So, Father, we pray now that for our hearts. We pray that you would give us eyes to see Christ, Lord. We pray that you would quiet our hearts and our minds. God, I pray that I, as I speak, I speak the words that you would have me to speak, to edify, to strengthen, to convict, and to challenge your, your people, the people you've given me to, to shepherd, God, in your, in your name. God, I pray that you would give them the heart um, of Christ. So, Father, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. We pray that the name of Jesus Christ would be exalted this morning. We ask all this in his glorious and precious name. Amen. Uh, Rose Crawford was born blind. Her entire life, all she saw was darkness. Uh, When you are born blind, you never know what light is. You never know the the vividness of of colors. You never seen the the leaves change in the fall or the the, the bright colors of the spring. Well, at age 50, uh, Rose Crawford, uh, with the discovery of a new surgery uh, performed by a doctor, allowed her to see for the very first time. When the doctors removed the bandage off of her head, revealing her eyes for the first time, she gasped and said, I can't believe it. And she just wept, but she wept with incredible joy. The darkness in her life was removed. Now, the amazing thing of Rose's story is not that she, that she regained her sight. Praise God for that. But she had the opportunity to regain that sight 30, uh, 20 years earlier at the age of 30. The procedure that she had was around for 20 years, and yet she didn't know about it. Uh, she said, why didn't she come in earlier? She just... She just figured that nothing could be done about her condition. Much of her life could have been different. Now, we know that she can see now in those 20 years she she was in darkness, but she could see. But could you imagine at the age of of 30 that she knew that in 20 years she would regain her sight? That, That for 20 years she'd be waiting for the day, that day when the darkness would be gone and she would be able to see. A cure is no good unless people know about it. As soon as Rose discovered the cure, she went to find it. Well, the the season of Christmas is us waiting and longing for that cure. For for years past, God prophesied that a Messiah, a Savior, was going to come. People knew about the cure, but just waited, waited for that day. As if Rose was waiting day after day, year after year, for the bandage to be removed from her eyes, for her to finally see. She knew that she could do nothing. She needed help from someone else, the assistance of a doctor. And much like Rose, you and I need someone from outside to help us. God's Word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, even if our gospel is veiled, 
It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The world before Christ was shrouded in darkness, blinded by the God of this world. But this season, we celebrate that the light has come. The light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come to outshine the darkness of sin. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at different aspects of the character of Jesus. Today, we want to focus on his, his humanity. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. And we're going to look at how this Son of Man came to outshine the darkness in this world as the light of Christ. So if you have an outline, wait, you don't have an outline. Joke. Um, If you would want to have an outline, I'm going to tell it to you now. Uh, The first, the Son of Man outshines the darkness of sin. So how does the Son of Man outshine the darkness of sin? If you turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. The people of Israel had experienced the oppression of Assyria. King Ahaz turned to Assyria to help the battle against Ephraim instead of turning to the Lord. So the Lord gave a sign to the people, the passage that uh, Craig read earlier. Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God gave the people a sign that he was going to send a son, a son of man through a virgin. Now, this prophecy concerning the virgin birth of Christ was for, for, from Mary. But because of Ahaz's lack of faith in God, God allowed the Assyrians to overthrow the land of Judah. The land drifted so far from the Lord during Isaiah's day, the reason why this prophecy was was given, that instead of turning to God, they turned to mediums or necromancers to to find out what they should do with their life. So in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19, it says, And when they say to you, this is God speaking, Inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living, to to the teaching and to the testimony? If they will not speak according to the word, it is because they have no dawn, no light. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look into the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. The state of God's people before Christ, before the Messiah came, was gloom and anguish. They were in thick darkness. I'm not sure, but if you've ever been in thick darkness, when there has been no light walking around, you get a little nervous, right? Uh, I'm a grown man, but I, I, I still get a little nervous in the dark. Don't judge, you do too, right? When it's dark outside, you get a little, a little bit nervous. But it says the people of God were thrust into this thick darkness. Darkness is awful. And I don't think that we fully understand the situation of, 
of uh, the people of God in Isaiah's day or even in the New Testament. It's hard to imagine how actually hard they had it. Uh, many of you were raised by, by parents from the Great Depression. Uh, the Great Depression is probably one of the darkest seasons in the history of our, um, of our nation. Food was scarce. Unemployment was high. Death and distress were common. People were taking their own lives at an alarming rate. Following the, the stock market crash of 1929, it led our country into a period of thick darkness. And life in Isaiah's day was far worse. So they hear these words in the context of Isaiah chapter 9. Listen to this prophecy. Chapter 9, verse 1 of Isaiah says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Listen to that change. No gloom for her who was in anguish. No gloom made glorious the way of the sea. Those in darkness have seen a great light. Those in deep darkness, a light has shone. Their joy was increased. Increased with the joy of the harvest. Gladness of the, the victory of dividing the spoils. This is a dramatic change. That change is really the change that comes when we pursue God. When God turns us from living for ourselves and living for sin, and we come to Christ. Matthew chapter 4 verse 14 says this. It says, And leaving Nazareth, he, Jesus, went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The quote we just read from Isaiah. In verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus announces that the great light has come into the world to outshine the darkness of sin. He has outshined the darkness of sin by bringing the kingdom of God to earth in himself. Jesus Christ offers the light. Jesus Christ offers hope for his people. For all who would repent and believe that the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ does not come unless you turn from your sins and trust in Christ. Those who believe in the light of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ will experience this dramatic change. They will experience the kind of change that Rose Crawford experienced. Darkness to light. And I think... Oftentimes when we think about conversion, we think about the life of the Christian, how it's supposed to look, it does not look like a dramatic change. It does not look like we have completely been overcome by the Spirit of, of Christ. But Rose Crawford was blind, but now she can see. It's amazing grace, how sweet the sound 
that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. This type of change to create a, a joy for us. We just spent um, three months looking at the book of Philippians to try to be a church of joy. Isaiah says in verse 3 of chapter 9, it says, You have increased joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when you divide the spoils. After Isaiah announces the choice, he provides three reasons of why they should have this, this joy. Really by giving the word for a purpose of why God's people should have joy when the sun comes. Which brings us to the second point this morning. That the light outshines the dominance of sin. So if the, if the Son of, of Man comes and, and kind of removes the darkness, then he kind of gives us victory over the dominance of sin. I, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I have had a hard time overcoming sin. Whether it's the sin of anxiety or worry. Uh, this is the sin of disbelief. Sin sometimes has felt so strong in my life that I feel that I'm never going to overcome it. You fall into the same patterns again and again. And yet the hope of the gospel is that he has given you the power to overcome sin. If sin has been dominating your life this past week, this past year, the light has come to give you victory over that sin. Listen to what chapter 4 says. The reason why. Chapter uh, Isaiah 9, 4, verse 4. It says, For the yoke, the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. There's two reasons that people should rejoice in these verses. The first is that the light of the world has broken the oppressor as in the days of Midian. Those who were oppressing God's people, their power was broken. Judges chapter 6 verse 2 says this. It says, the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midians would come against them and devour the produce of the land. And verse 6 of Judges 6. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. Now put that in, 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 our, in our American Western mindset. We have a hard time doing that because we don't typically go in our yard and, and pull crops and eat them, right? Some of you do. And if the apocalypse happens, I'm going to your house. I know who you are, right? But what we do is we go to the grocery store and we fill our refrigerators, right, with chicken, and sausage, and tomatoes, right, potatoes. We just fill our our fridges. And can you imagine going after you fill your entire fridge, someone comes in and takes it just because they wanted it. That's what the Midians did for the Israelites. They just came and took all their, their food. But the Lord answers the pleas of his people by sending them Gideon. It says this. They did not obey the face of the Lord, but God, God was merciful to Israel, even though he didn't deserve it. He raised up Gideon to deliver them from the Midians. So Gideon is a picture of how God likes to show his grace towards his rebellious people. The original audience of Isaiah would have made that connection. There is a day coming when God will show his grace to a people who are sinful and disobedient, who have lived 
in sin like the, the, the prodigal son roaming around with the pigs. All of us sometimes have well, well, uh, rolled around in the mud of our own sin. And God says there's a day coming when I will show you grace. I will show you mercy. Even now, God is saying to us that he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that sin. That the, that the dominance of Midian has been broken by the power of God. So if you feel that you have no ability to overcome your sin, you are denying the power of God in the Scriptures. The power of Satan has been broken in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a promise of God. Therefore, we should rejoice. The second reason people should rejoice is that the light brings peace. Now, it's hard for us to, to even understand this. You know, we have, we've had uh, soldiers uh, fighting war uh, for years, and oftentimes it's kind of forgotten. We have uh, even soldiers today, American forces, who are under the threat of attack. But look at what, what verse 5 says. It says, Every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire, meaning there will be no more war. There will be no more death. Now, very few of us here have gone to war. War hasn't come into our world. We can be at war in another land and live our lives like nothing is any different. But when you go and are in a war zone, you see the buildings fallen. You see uh, dead bodies around you. Uh, you see people starving without food. War is awful. Israel knew war. They lived in that war. They saw that, that, that distress and that despair. And it says, there's going to be peace when the Son of Man comes. Listen to the Scriptures. What it says here in verse 6. It says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is is given. That's the reason why war is going to end. Because a son is going to come into the world. If you lived your life always in a physical war, never knowing if today was going to be your last day, and then you, you realize one day that's all over. There is no more war. Can it be true? Victory? There's going to be immense joy. Now take that feeling of a real physical war and imagine that the, the war inside your own soul. The battle that you face every single day to overcome your sin. Your, your worry. Your lust. Your greed. Your dissatisfaction. The things that are in your soul that, that are warring against you. Warring against your flesh. One day... It's done. We're looking forward to that day when the Lord returns. And that war is over. Because the Son is given. Beloved, we know shame. We know guilt. We know regret. We know failure. We know the sin that is working to devour us even this past week. 
but you need to hear it from me today and remind ourselves what Christmas is truly about, that there's coming a day when there will be no more war with sin, only victory. There will be peace. A day of peace against the sin is coming. And to drive the point home, how does this sin be overcome? Third point, the Son of Man outshines the despair of sin, outshines the despair of sin. Look at verse 6. It says, For us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. What an amazing verse. And we know as New Testament Christians that this verse is speaking about Jesus. It's the, it's the same verse quoted in um, Luke chapter 2, verse 10 through 12, when the angel of the Lord says, Fear not, behold, for I bring you good news of great joy for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. But there's a reason why we can rejoice. First, Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. To a people in darkness to a people in rebellion, to a people who are disobedient, to a people who live in sin, to us, a child is given. A son is born. We do not deserve God's grace. We deserve God's wrath for our sin. God's right justness against us in a place where there was weeping, a gnashing of teeth, the eternal fire. That's what we deserve. And yet God, being rich in mercy, gave us mercy. Gave us a son, a child, who will come and bring justice and peace on earth. A couple years ago, I was uh, working with a student organization in Washington, D.C., and I was at a summer camp. And um, I was a young Christian, and you know how... um, Young Christians typically are, or tend to be heretic hounds. The Gospels open up to us. We love the Bible, and every time we, we hear something, we want to pounce on them, like, that's not true, man! And uh, the speaker was speaking, and of course, I was in my pounce mode. And um, the, uh, the speaker says, let me tell you something. Jesus didn't die for your sins. What do you mean, Jesus didn't die for your sins? I was ready to go. And, uh, and he said this. He said, Jesus didn't die for your sins. He died for you. He died for you to pay your sins. I don't know what you've dealt with this past week. I don't know what sin you have committed. But Jesus Christ did not merely die to pay your debt. He died because he loves you. He died for you. Long time past, God said, for to us a son is given. To us a child is born. The angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. 
front to you is born in this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Out of this love, Christ came for you. Any sinner, even the worst of sinners, Jesus came to die that you could live. 1 Timothy 15, 16, this is a trustworthy saying, deserving a full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, of which I am the foremost, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to all who would believe in him for eternal life. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. For to us, the son was given. Jesus Christ came to do so much more. Next week, we're going to look more at this end of this passage and this great picture of, of who this son is going to be. The promise the Lord gives is not a temporal promise. It's an eternal one. Look at verse 7. It says, of the increase of his government and the peace, there will, what? There will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. There's coming a day that we will experience the forevermore, the eternal life that God has promised us in Christ. People who are in darkness have seen a great light and they will never again be in darkness. It's a great and glorious promise. And how do we know this is going to happen? Look at the end of verse 7. It says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Because God is zealous for his own glory. Because God is zealous to show compassion and mercy upon his people. He will do this. So lastly, let me close with, the Son of Man removes the doubt of sin. He removes the doubt of sin. I was 25 uh, at a camp, and I stood back at the end when people were making decisions, singing for the Lord, making decisions to follow Jesus, and I just, this thought came into my head and said, could this be true? Could, could Jesus really, truly be the Son of God to, who, who came, died, and rose again? Could this really be true? That there's that, those, those moments that we have these doubts God can handle your doubts. And in that moment, God just says, it's true. It's true. God loves you. God paid for your sins. God sent forth his son to die for you, to pay for all your sins so that you can experience his glory forevermore. We have a hard time believing in those promises, don't we? We live in a world of broken promises, from politicians to spouses Words don't mean as they once did. But God's word is not like ours. God says his zeal, his zeal will accomplish this for us. In Matthew chapter 1, the angel spoke to Joseph saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the prophet said. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The God-man, Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God. The, the greatest truth of the world is ever known, and, and the reason why God's people should never fear is because God is always with us. God came to die. 
We were estranged from God. We were his enemies facing the penalty for our sins. We were subject to lifelong slavery through the fear of death. No one could escape that death. But God did not leave us in our fear. He did not leave us in darkness. He did not leave us in our condemnation. He came to be with us. To save us from our sins. To save us from whatever situation we think is unbearable. To buy us back from the grave. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of flesh and blood, and through the death he might destroy the one who has power over death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who fear death, through the fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. So as we begin this Christmas season, we need to create a longing in our hearts for the return of Christ. A longing that we will will one day experience the deliverance from the darkness of our sin, from the dominance of sin in our lives. But let me just remind you that you have no need to doubt. You have no need to worry, no need to fear, because God gave us the Son. The Son of Man, our Emmanuel, to deliver us from all our fear. For if God is now with us, who, who can be against us? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us, O God, that you would help us not fear, not worry, not be uh, continually succumbing to our sin. But God, I pray that you would give us victory. We pray that you would create a longing in our hearts, God, for your victory over sin a longing in our hearts for your return, that one day, Lord, one day you will take us out of any darkness and allow us to see your glorious light. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.